Hey, hey, folks. This is a lighting conversation built as part of the BAI Pre-Accelerator I'm currently developing with the team at Bucharest AI. The Pre-Accelerator is aimed at early-stage AI startups, teams, and ideas from EU countries, and its mission is to help validate or invalidate ideas towards bootstrap and make seed investment or accelerate the readiness for AI-fueled startups and teams. Today's lightning talk is with Raul Popa. Raul is a co-founder, CEO, and data scientist at Typing DNA, a revolutionary startup providing proprietary AI-based typing biometrics technology, aka Keystroke Dynamics, to identify users by the way they type on their keyboards. Typing DNA won multiple awards and was featured in top publications, and as a tech innovator and a Techstars alumnus, Raul was invited to speak about topics including AI, biometrics, identity access management, and entrepreneurship at global events such as TEDx, Applied Machine Learning Days, World Summit AI, Future of AI at European Parliament, and many others. Prior to typing DNA, he co-founded other startups, helped launch several innovative software products and software components used by millions of end users. Enjoy the lightning talk. Thank you for making the time for us. Thank you very much for inviting me. I'm going to jump to a very good question right now. Um, can twins have identical typing patterns? So um, I'm going for those myths debunked. So if I have a twin, will they have an identical typing pattern? We actually tried that. Um, I don't know. Ex I don't remember like, exactly who tried that, but I know I know somebody tried that. Um, and we tried to see if. Uh, no. Uh, no uh, yeah, I think like fingerprints, they're very, very different. Um, you may have similar, you know, facial features, that, those kind of things, or even voice. But when we're talking about the way you type with a computer, really what I think uh, makes, uh, makes the difference is the fact that, uh, you know, the behavioral biometric that you're recording, like the way you type, um, is like the way you would uh, write, you know, with a pen would be, uh, also, inc also incorporate some of your cognitive sort of process. So because you're a different person from like personality wise and, you know, the things that you know, those kind of things, the cognitive process is different. And if you look at handwriting of two twins, it's never the same. It's, uh, that's already, that's already different. And if you ask them for opinions, uh, very often they, they would have different opinions. So yeah, I would say in the same they... way, typing biometrics uh, is different. They cannot uh, cheat into exams. Too bad, because you know you send your twin; they, they do the exam for you, right? What are the advantages and opportunities offered by the fact that you launched and started in Romania or other? I know that now you've scaled. You're a U.S.-based tech startup. You have investors like Google, Google Ventures, but I find it particularly interesting in the context of the BAI pre-accelerated that we're building. The fact that you've started in Romania or other, not even the capital bookers, but or other. So how, um, what were the advantages and opportunities? Well, I, um, as, as not the first company that I started and I also was involved in other companies that are coming out of Oradia, like Banner Snack, for example, is one of the, uh, one of the, the top ones. Uh, been involved in other products, other companies that were started in Oradia, even if they went global from day one. And actually, this is one of the one of the coolest features of starting in a smaller city. You you don't have uh, you know the ability to reach the the city mass, or that that thing will not will not give you any 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 good head start. So you have to think um, you know uh, global from day zero. Uh, that's uh, that's I think the the first and most important thing, and also. Uh, not a lot of people know about Oradia. That Oradia wasn't uh, in Romania, uh, you know, a hundred years ago. 
or rather it was Hungary, uh, yeah, pretty much ever since. So it's, uh, it was uh, only added to Romania after 1918, um, after First World War. And, um, and because of that, actually, uh, the larger population in 1918, something like that, 1920, it was Jews. And then secondly, were um, Hungarians and third were Germans. And Romanian were, Romanians were like 5%, something like that, less than that. And um, yeah, a lot of Jews went to Auschwitz. That happened, um, uh, you know, in Second War. And but uh, and Romanians increased with the Communist Party that uh, took a lot of Romanians uh, in the bordering uh, cities. Like uh, there are a few others like that, Satumare, Araz, and so forth. So, but what we end up having is a very diverse culture in terms of uh, ethnicity, uh, religions. Uh, you see a lot of uh, Protestant religions uh, flourishing in in, in in the bordering cities. Uh, as well, so basically, don't have, um, and this is good. You don't, you don't see that stubbornness that uh, uh, we all we do this in only this way and this way only. We basically understand people that are thinking in different ways that you know want to speak Hungarian at home and are okay to speak uh, Romanian at the school. Others that do differently. Others that are okay to, and often you go in in rather and talk with somebody in Romanian, they uh, they will uh, reply in Hungarian or mixed. Hungarian, Romanian, stuff like that. And I think that is good. So you start thinking globally in cities like this um, uh, from day one or day zero, if you want. Do you know Hungarian? Random oh, a little bit, sure, sure. Yeah. I actually have roots on both my mother and my father's side. Uh, nice, nice. <laughs> I used to know some. Um, in Basile, like Maduro. <laughs> <laughs> did you have any pivots or did you nail the direction from the start with the typing dna did you or always thought that okay typing biometrics keystroke dynamics this way it is um no so there were uh, there were a number of projects that I, I i thought of and i wanted to start and this was this project sort of uh, was, a, was a cool idea that I thought about for a while. And I was involved in another company. And then at some point I sold some of my shares in a previous company and uh, decided to part uh, ways with, um, with every other project that I was involved in. And I initially I wanted to take like a full sabbatical, like a year to do nothing or maybe at least half a year. And uh, three days later, I was working on typing DNA. I realized that hey, I have to do this. I was waiting for like two years to do something like this, and um, I don't want to wait anymore. So that's that's how I started. And actually, um, I sort of saw things, um, you know, connecting and tried to talk with other people, and pretty much nobody sort of believed in the idea. And I thought that um, the sort of idea that I, ha I have to pursue is is an idea that not not a lot of people believe in, and. Um, yeah, so it takes why. quite a lot of courage because my co-founders, you know, co Adrian and, and 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 Christian, believed in it. So okay, <laughs> nobody else, family and everyone, like friends, were like, "You can do better. You can try something else." Amazing, because you you need to have quite a lot of motivation and resilience when you know people near you don't believe something that you're building. It's like, not bad. I uh, I enjoy going against the stream. Always do. <laughs> What roles didn't you know you needed on your team when you started all this? So what, what are those roles that you didn't even have a clue or thought about them that you need them? That's just a tough question. So I'm a generalist. So <clears throat> the way I think about things is that uh, you don't need specialists to do pretty much anything. 
Uh, and actually, I don't think a specialist is necessarily better than a generalist. I think it can be better at a very specific task. But whenever that task encounters some difficulties, some novelty, some something, you know, some, some different, some challenge, um, it's very hard to to fight with if you didn't see that before. So I sort of think that pretty much any any position that we need uh, could be solved by somebody who's like a self-starter, who's a, you know, a lifelong learner, who's a generalist, who can take things um, you know, and, and, you know, from, from, from nothing and, you know, build something out of it and understand, you know, things deep inside and the systems deep inside so that they can improve the system. Um, whether it is sales, whether it is marketing, whether it is product, whether it is technology, whether it is uh, R&D, actually was involved in most of these things myself. And uh, I have no problem, at, uh, you know, as long as it's like uh, a big challenge that, I, that, I, that, that, we ha that we have to solve, I think it's cool. And actually, there's a lot of excitement. I just got off a call with uh, my CTO and my CRO talking about, you know, how to solve, uh, you know, a certain, a certain thing. And it was so exciting. It was, it was like, um, sometimes for like weeks, you think that um, you're going down a, you know, rabbit hole. You're d just doing like, you know, basic things, you know, executing it on a, on, a, on a good strategy and you're going, you're growing fast and stuff like that. But uh, sometimes there's such discussions that actually like sort of like this is why I wanted to start it because uh, you, you have this uh, very enjoyable discussions where um, you, you, you get to solve real problems, things that nobody thought about before. And you, you feel that is a thought or is a kind of problem they're trying to solve that nobody put their mind at or nobody was able to solve even if they, they put their mind at it. So, that novelty is, is really cool and uh, you, you cannot have that if you want to be super you know agreeable and everybody else to agree with you pretty much people will disagree with anything you want to bring that is innovative and that's fine that makes me think i have a book here it's called thinking in systems by donella meadows i'm not sure if you read it but it's the same thing is that if you build your mind to think in some sort of a system, you can do anything, you know, basically can build anything. Um, it's interesting. It's a, definitely a good position to be in when you're building a product. And, and finally, it's a very, it's a very uh, European or even Eastern European way yeah. of thinking, I would say. Yeah, um, it is specific. In the States, if you're talking with lawyers, with, uh, you know, accountants, with all sorts of mentors and investors and all sorts of things in this space, um, they will just give you a clear path to success if they already know how to the do model. It. <laughs> I'll just tell you, you have to do this, that, that. And that's fine. Even like if you go to an accelerator like Techstars as we went, we went, a lot of time you get like a very clear um, direction that you have to follow or like two directions you have to choose. And that's all. Uh, the Romanian way of, th uh, of thinking <laughs> is I want to understand first and I will decide, but tell me why. And uh, it's a very different, very, very different uh, way of thinking. The second one, the understanding, understanding why thing takes a longer time, but creates a system way of thinking. And I think it's much, it's much better. And it's very used in the Eastern Europe, especially, but in Europe in general, I think this is very European, whereas um, the clear path to success, the, you know, you know, fast results kind of driven by somebody who knows how to do this thing not you know reinventing the wheel like startups should start should start to understand the why or should just use the model that worked before what is best approach especially for an ai startup it really depends if for example uh, this interview is clearly a european style yeah. interview it's open we, we, 
yeah, it's very open. We, we're talking the why's, we're talking the underlying things behind. Uh, of course, your questions uh, could, have gone, could have gone either way. You ask me, what are the positions that you, you, didn't, you didn't think that uh, you would need? Uh, I, could, I could just give you some labels and say, these were the ones I didn't know, and that's it. Um, but I went into a why. I, meant, uh, I went into why I think you know, our process actually uh, in, in constructing in such ways that, that we don't have that. Um, you know, this is not a problem for us and uh, the way we think about people that we hire and so forth. And uh, my answer was very European in this case, I would say. But sometimes if you want to sell, if you want to market things, you have to go the other way. Otherwise, you will lose a lot of people who really don't want to, don't want to understand the why. Even sure. employees, a lot of times, they want to understand um, the, you know, the clear path to success. That, that, that's the easiest. True. Uh, but understanding the why gets you to the infinite mindset. So I think you're going uh, a good path there. I have a final question for you. How do you mix behavioral biometrics with the AI technology? Because, you know, we're doing an AI pre-accelerator, so you're using some AI technology over there. How do you mix it? Yeah, so some technologies like typing biometrics, authentication, for example, or other things that you can do with typing biometrics, um, you really cannot do without artificial intelligence, right, or machine learning. Uh, there's no way to do them. Uh, you can use statistics to learn some things about the data, but definitely not to authenticate people, not to have that high accuracy when authenticating people. So um, you're pretty much left with the AI to solve this kind of problem. And um, there's this thing, uh, you know, we kind of think of two ways about AI. There's AI that is um, as good as humans as just one task or narrow AI. Uh, in some cases, it's not even as good as humans, like, uh, you know, a lot of applications to computer vision to recognize objects. Sometimes a human is better. You see a banana, the next time you see another banana, you're able to recognize that, or a bicycle. For a computer, a computer needs 100 bananas to see the, from different angles and so forth in order to recognize a 101 uh, banana. In some way, uh, it's, it's similar with other things. This is a narrow AI. Usually it's, 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 it's less smarter than, than people, even in that particular task. Uh, and then you have AGI that is like, uh, you know, no narrow, it's basically able to, to learn and know everything. And that's something that is like more like uh, a thing that we think that in the future, maybe something like this will exist, something, or like uh, somebody will combine multiple types of AIs into something like this. But I think there's a third one, and it's a very rare uh, thought uh, of, because it's a very rare, um, very rare instances of it. And that's uh, a superhuman AI, but with a very narrow, with a very narrow application. Well, in this particular type of use case, very few use cases like this. Uh, for example, diagnosis certain disease, not all diseases, some diseases, the algorithms can be better than humans. And, um, you know, or um, detecting fraud. Detecting fraud is one or anomalies. This is one of the things where you have to pay attention to so many metrics that a human cannot do. And you cannot uh, do the, like divide and conquer. You cannot just, uh, you know, say you, you watch this metric, you watch this metric, you watch this metric. Basically, you, you have to see a combination of those metrics happening in a certain way to understand, hey, this is anomaly, this is a bad actor, this is a fraud, this is not the right actor and so forth. So I would say superhuman narrow AI, this is something that um, I actually enjoy really much. And this is uh, something that we do at Typing DNA. And it's not an easy task. Actually, we have uh, proprietary algorithms to, to, to do such things.
I'd love to talk more with you because I'm thinking now bias. I'm thinking now, you know, even stupid questions like how would you describe a banana to a blind person? Because you mentioned banana so many times. Uh, but I'll stop it here. Thank <laughs> I have no idea there. And that's all, folks. <laughs> Thank you for listening to the Applied AI pod. Uh, this is the last of the Lightning Talks part of the BAI Pre-Accelerator. As usual, tune in for more real AI talks with real people. And don't forget, subscribe for fresh episodes. Stay safe and healthy, everyone.